All right. Well, we have a very special treat this morning. Come on up, please. Just, just so you know, you guys know who everybody is here, but this is Pastor Melissa, our children's pastor. We just did the math this morning and realized that we've been doing ministry together for 22 years. Wow. Amen. And my pretty half, you guys recognize her. This is the first time you've seen her up here. She will be beating me for this right now. But uh, we just want to have a, a special time today. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you for your word, God. We ask, God, that you would just remove us out of the picture, God, that you would have your way, that your word would go forth, God, that you would plant it securely in our hearts, that you would comfort us, that you would encourage us, that you would change us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Well, I don't know about you. First of all, happy Mother's Day to all of you. Nathaniel, you can throw that first slide up there, the Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you. I am so excited today. Oh, that's good. But uh, I'm really excited. And children, I'm going to ask you to help me today and to honor your mothers by being still, by listening up. Okay? So, I'm excited today because, you see, I've known this lady for a long time. Actually, Pastor said it, 22 years to be exact. We've done a lot of things together. We've shared a lot of tears. We've shared a lot of laughter. But, we have never shared the altar together in bringing the word. So, I just have to say today, I am excited and I'm honored because I get to share this moment with my BFF, and I can't think of anybody else I'd rather share it with, so that's number one. Ditto. <laughs> All right, so we started planning, right? What are we going to do for these moms? What are we going to do to include the men, include people that might feel sad, include the youth? How are we going to do that? And we said, okay, well, we'll go to Proverbs 31, right? We even heard part of it today. It's something we aspire to, so what did we do? We opened it up, and we began to read it. And Michelle was like, oh, okay, yeah, I do that. Yeah, 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 not so much this. Yeah, no, definitely not this. You know, and as we looked at it, we said, this is an awesome woman of God. But it almost seems impossible. It almost seems perfect. It almost seems like you'll never attain it. But I started saying, that's not the only woman of God there is, right, in the Bible? Because I said sometimes, and mothers correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes motherhood, even Christian living, is not pretty. Right? It gets pretty ugly at times. Right? Sometimes it doesn't look nice. It hurts. It's heart-wrenching. It's gut-wrenching. This Christian walk is not for the faint of heart. 
So I started looking for other women in the Bible, and I think it was Michelle who said, well, what about Deborah? So this morning, and I'm going to encourage you, if you don't know who Deborah is, you will by the end of today, but she's found in Judges chapters 4 and 5. She is an awesome woman of God, and I think she redefines, she redefines Proverbs 31. So when Michelle and I think of what a strong, or what a woman, what a man of God, what a child of God looks like, this is the picture we get. Can you roll that clip, Nathaniel? Today, as we bring you a sermon called Unleashing Your Inner Warrior. <laughs> All right. So, what does an inner warrior need? What does a warrior need? The first thing any good warrior needs is strength. But I challenge you today that it's not just any kind of strength. You see, a good warrior, a real warrior, knows that they don't fight for victory, they fight from a position of victory. Okay, now I don't know if you're getting that in the spiritual, but I think moms today you could identify with me in that warrior. Sometimes we have to pray like we're warring over our families, right? Fathers, don't we sometimes have to pray and war over our families, over our children, right? In our workplace we have to do warfare. So they need strength. And how do you fight from this position of victory? How do you get there? Well, when you fight from a position of victory, there's an inner resolve, an inner peace. You know who you are, and you know that as Exodus 15:2 says, the Lord is your strength and your defense. Plain and simple. That's your source. The Lord is your source. You know that you don't need to be rescued. A good warrior doesn't need to be rescued. They've got it together, right? So they know that their God is going to supply their needs according to His riches and glory, Philippians 4.18. They know that even when the situation looks bad, even when it seems impossible, they unlock the secret 
That's told to us in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is their strength. And they war and they fight from a position of joy, even in the anxiety, even in the restlessness, even in the fear. A good warrior knows they have an inner peace because their source is God. Okay? So they know that. They also have mental strength. A good warrior does not react when something happens, they don't react. They respond. Have you ever seen those lights on, like, I don't know if you've ever seen American Idol, but all of a sudden they go dim the lights and it goes, right? That's what I see a warrior as. When something happens, okay, when, when you get to call to school for the 14th time because your kid is acting up, when... Let's not pray this, but when you have to bail someone out of jail, when, you're, when your job has told you you're no good, we're firing you, when there's a problem in your marriage, do you have that moment where you go, Shh. all right, God, where are we going now with this? Or do you just begin to shout and react and get angry and throw and hurt and destroy? A good warrior responds to God. They don't just react. And how do they learn to do that? Because they've developed this deep, intimate, personal relationship with God. See, you can know the source, but if you're not hooked up to it, you're not going anywhere. So I look at it in the marriage group, we talk about this. Where are you plugged into? If you're plugged into the things that your co-workers are telling you, that your friends on your streets are telling you or in school, the friends and the people that you know don't have the same source, you're not going to go anywhere. But when you begin to plug into the source that's God, all of a sudden He begins to give you solutions and ways out and strength and joy and a peace like you could never, ever, ever imagine. So a good warrior, they fight from a position of victory. They have inner peace, inner resolve. They know their strength. They know how to get there because they've developed that relationship with God. But a good warrior also knows when they need help. Many times, and I'm going to beat up the body a little today. Many times we think that because we're a Christian, that means we have to do it all alone. A good warrior knows when they need help, when they need to call in for reinforcements. Why? Because we need the body. I'm standing here as a children's pastor saying, I need you. I needed Vanessa to come up and pray for me just before I walked up here. I needed Gretchen to walk into that room when Michelle and I were like, oh my gosh, right? And I've been up here before, but it doesn't get easier, people. It does not. So you've got to know when you need help, right? So I went back to a time that I asked for help. I found this on my computer, an email from 2010. And I want to read a piece for you. It says, hi, my friends. I'm keeping myself busy tonight and kept avoiding writing this email. I kept saying, move on, Mel. Trust God. I think I've reached a point in my life for the first time when my faith is weak. It's not that I lack it, but have no words other than the groanings of my heart. I do know he hears that, too. I'm having trouble praying for healing and believing it will happen for the first time. It was when my aunt was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I said, I just feel numb. I'm reaching out to you, my friends, to pray what I can't, to believe where I have difficulty, and to keep me in check. When 
remind me that God has called me to minister to others no matter what. So if you see me cry, please just hold my hand. Stay close. Know that I am trusting in God. And pray the words my heart just cannot utter. I couldn't pray. I was singing, but I couldn't sing. I needed to go to people in the body who I knew would not point a finger, who I knew would not crush me, who I knew would not laugh at me, who I knew would just do exactly what I asked. And they did. Right? You see, I have the awesome privilege of seeing all of you when I'm up here in worship. And I can see who's hurting. Sometimes I can see who's been fighting with their husband. I can see the mother who wants to throw her kid at the altar if he asks her one more thing. So I see it all. And sometimes I want you to know that when we stand up here with microphones, there have been times when we have warfared for you in our worship. When I have sung louder than I thought possible from the depths of my soul, not because I needed it, because my sister so-and-so in that row needed it. Right? We need the body. A good warrior knows when it needs help. And Michelle, a good warrior knows? A good warrior is relentless. Now, a definition of relentless means to continue without ceasing. And when I thought about the word relentless, the word, the Bible verse, praying without ceasing came to mind. And like Melissa mentions when she was speaking about strength, there were times when she felt she couldn't pray. Where she felt like she couldn't utter another word. Like she felt like she said all she could say. To repeat it again would be such anguish, would be such pain, would, would bring it up again. And there was a time in my life where I felt like I could not pray. That I know when, sometimes when we're up here, the worship team comes up here and they'll tell you, okay, when you can't pray, just say Jesus, Jesus. And he hears you and he understands the prayer. But have you ever been in a situation in your life, this is not just moms, this is dads, men, young people, teenagers. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you felt that you couldn't even say Jesus? Right? Well, there was one time, and my husband told this story once before, but, but there's so many new people, you probably don't, never heard of it. Um, my daughter, Megan, who is 22 now, she was 11 at the time. And she had been in school, and she was in a lot of pain. And I thought, okay, it's just a stomach ache. She's going to be okay. She didn't go to church that Sunday, but I had to go. My mom calls me. She goes, Michelle, she's throwing up. You need to take her to the doctor. So I rush home. We take her to emergency, and they don't know what's wrong with her. And she's in so much pain, and she's crying out. And the doctor there was like, it's probably an appendix, but it probably ruptured, but we're not too sure. So we were in the hospital for like two weeks with Megan. Now, in the beginning, I was strong. I was like, yes, Lord, you're going to help her. You're going to bring her through. She's going to be okay. But, you know, I'm the one that stayed with her in the midnight hour when she would cry and say, Mommy, I don't understand why I have to go through this pain. Why is God about this? And as a mom, you think you have the answer for everything, right? But I didn't. I didn't have the answer. I didn't know. So I would just hold on to her hand and just ask God, please. But when I couldn't take it anymore, when another night came and I didn't want to hear her cry, and I didn't want to see that she was in pain, and the morphine wasn't kicking in in time that she loved. Um... <laughs> She was like, Mommy, this morphine is really good. I was like, oh, my God, my daughter's going to be addicted. Uh, 
But in those days, I had people come. And my Bible was open, but I couldn't read it. I wanted to pray, but I couldn't pray. I was tired. I was weak. I couldn't stand anymore. And my, own, my husband, too, he, just, he couldn't see his little girl hurting that way. But there was people. God brought people. God brought people from the church. God brought people from my family. You know, and then the night that the doctor said, okay, we're going to have to go in and go see what's wrong with her. And, you know, no one wants their daughter cut, child cut open. You know, you don't want your child. You're like, you think of all the worst things. Okay, what if she reacts to anesthesia? What if something happens? What if this? And there's all these unanswered questions. And that they told us at 10 o'clock she was going to have, at night, the surgery. So... Mark and Mo, who had just had Hannah. She was about two months old. They must have left Hannah at Titi Jenny's house, her aunt. And they came over and they sat with us throughout the whole time as we, as we waited and cried. They prayed for us when we couldn't pray. They encouraged us. They told us, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I can't remember how long we waited there, but it seemed like an eternity. Finally, the doctor comes out, and my husband and I, like two little kids, we run and we hug him, and we're like, what's going on? What's going on? She's like, it's okay. It did rupture, but all the fluids stayed compartmentalized, so it didn't spread to the rest of her body. And anybody who knows about appendicitis, right, it's, it's toxins, so it could go and it could, bleed, it could seep into the, your organs, and it could be very dangerous and could even lead to death. So, you know, I thanked God. But if it wasn't for the body... Helping me walk through this time, where would I have been? You know, it was them who encouraged me. It was people like Mark and Mo who stayed with us in the night while they had a little baby. You know, they took, they sacrificed for us. People who came and brought gifts and, and, and just cry, and came to just pray over my daughter. You know, and it's very interesting because my daughter, when people used to come and visit, she was in a lot of pain. So she would pretend she was sleeping. She would pretend she was sleeping. I'm like, wow, she fell asleep. She must be feeling better. But the minute they left, she'd wake up and be like, Mommy, I'm in so much pain. I said, but you were just sleeping. She goes, no, I didn't want to see anybody. Anyone to see me in pain. And how many of us do that? Right? We kind of put that wall. We're like, no, I don't want no one to see me in pain. I don't want them to think I'm weak. I don't want them to think I'm different. Or I can't get through. And we do that. You know, we do that. But as a body, as God brings people into our lives to love on us, to encourage us, we have to learn to bring down those walls and let them see our weakness. Because in that, there's encouragement and there's strength. It is a thing of a body. It's not about being relentless or praying without ceasing on your own. Because when you can't pray, when you can't fight, there is a body to help you to stand to stand in front of you, to be your guard, to say, okay, I'm, I'm taking you the next five steps. I'm praying for you. And if you can't do it, someone else will come. If you still can't stand, someone else will come. It's about the body. It's not about an individual person. It's not about getting it through by yourself. It's about the body. Melissa, a warrior is. <laughs> warrior sure cries a lot. Oh. <laughs> A warrior is resourceful. And you know what? It is okay for a warrior to cry, right? All right. A warrior is resourceful. How many of you have seen that movie, The Hunger Games, or have heard about it? All the kids are like, yeah. Okay. The, I'm not going to go into the, the movie and all about it, but basically these children are trained to fight to the death. 
and only one warrior emerges. And in one of the scenes, they're each given mentors. Each team is given a mentor. And in one of the, one of the scenes, the mentor says, be careful. When you go up to the platform, to the arena, in the center, there are going to be all these weapons and all these things you'll need. Don't go for what your eyes can see. And they know. They know that you can shoot with a bow and arrow. So there's going to be a beautiful, like state-of-the-art bow and arrow there. He goes, don't do it. You make one. Don't go there because it's a trap. They know you're going to go there first, and half of the people will be wiped out just going for those weapons. A good warrior knows that the weapons that they have are not necessarily what the eyes can see. A good warrior knows how to make their own weapons out of whatever mess situation or what's going on in their lives. They begin to raise up the weapons that God has given them because they go to the source, right? So they know, like Psalm 44 says, I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. They run to their shelter and their rock. They know where to get the power from. 2 Corinthians 10 says, The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Church, what are our weapons? What are our weapons? Our weapons are prayer. Our weapons are intercession. Our weapons are our worship. Our weapons are the word. See, there comes a time in your life when, and I, and I say this in church, I'm saying it today, and hold me accountable in a few years. But I've seen so many mothers with teenagers who I see suffer. And they're like, I've done all I can do. I've tried to raise them in the Lord. I've tried to, and so many times I say, but you've done. You've planted the seeds. You've watered. You've warfared. Now you've got to trust God. So please, when it's my turn, just remind me of that, okay? <laughs> because you know what? I know, I know the enemy is no respecter of person either. Just because I'm here up here and I'm declaring things boldly doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen in my life, in my children's life, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need that. I'm going to need someone to say, Mo, let go and let God. So I love the thing in the Hunger Games where he told her, don't look at those weapons. Go, look for high ground. And in high ground, she was able to find shelter. At one point, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say that for later because that's good. All right, so, so a good warrior knows when to go to the body. And many of you have heard this testimony. It kind of kills me to give it over and over again because I feel like, oh, I never want to go back there again. But there was a time in my life where I fell. And here I was alone pregnant with nothing. I did have a job. That was about it. No savings, no anything. I had nothing, right? And I can't even say that I went to get help because I didn't ask for help. I more of went to confess. So I went to my pastors. I went to the people because I was in a place of leadership even then, back then. And I remember going to confess and to repent for what I had done. I was broken I felt more sorrowful for the breach in relationship with me and God than anything else. I wasn't thinking of my reputation or anything. I was thinking, how could I hurt God? How could I hurt all those young people that looked up to me? Well, I have to tell you, and I'll tell you the second part of that story later, 
that out of that time of repentance came the most amazing, miraculous thing that I have ever witnessed in my life. The body began to rise up. You know that scripture where God says, if you've seen me, have you fed me, have you clothed me, have you given me a place to rest? Well, guess what happened? My roommates didn't get mad at me because I had roommates. I had to find a place to live. I had to kind of, I guess, kick them out. We all had to find a place to live, right? My friend Sandy, she didn't get mad at me. She gave me a bed where my baby and I could rest. Her husband's father, thinking, hmm, she might not have too much, gave me a little $100 certificate to Toys R Us to buy pampers and bottles. <laughs> I don't think it's by accident that you're here today, but Ted and Tony Ferguson are here. And I remember Ted coming to me. And he said to me, Melissa, smile. The purposes and plans for your life are not over. This is not it. They brought encouragement. My cousin found a place for me to live. You have no idea. I had nothing. And I kid you not, within a week, I had a home. I had furniture. I had, I had an abundance. Because you know what, body? We have an abundance here in this church. And you know what? We need to start being family-minded and not individually-minded. So what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? We have single people here. We should know that single people are sometimes feeling alone. They're feeling rejected. They're feeling, why not me? So are we taking them and giving them rides home? Are we inviting them to parties? Are we including them when we do special things? We have people that are sometimes sick in our midst, that they're alone and they need help. I remember I once said to a sister in our church, I said, what are you going to do? Your family is gone. Your home care is gone. This is me telling her. She goes, well, the church is just going to have to step in. And I walked out of that apartment and I said, she's right. We can't say we're a family and not act like a family. You know what, church? They had it right in the old days. You see, in the days of Barnabas, they brought everything into the storehouse and they shared it because they were a family. So family, we are a family, but we can't help. Our arms can't comfort. Our finances can't support if you don't share the need. You know why? So I'm telling you, family, we are a family and a good warrior knows where to get resources from. They know to come to the body of Christ. Michelle, a good warrior, <laughs> knows their enemy. Okay. Now we've heard the Bible verse that says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that. So we, in our minds, even in our hearts, we understand that Satan is out to destroy us. He's out to destroy our kids, the purposes for their lives. He's out to destroy us. And George and I, and Melissa, like George um, said prior, we worked in youth ministry for 11 years. 11 years. And when we first started, we had kids that would sit there with their arms crossed, didn't want to pray, didn't want to sing, didn't want to hear anything we had to say. And it went from that kind of group to a group that just loved to just stay after the service, of Friday night youth service, 
and worship and dance and pray and sing. And they wouldn't want to leave that place. And we would not get home till like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning because we were busy driving kids home after a Friday night service. And even parents after their classes would come and sit in a youth service in that time of dancing and worship. And it was so glorious. But prior to that, we had dealt with the drugs in kids. We had dealt with suicide. We had dealt with abuse. We had dealt with relationships. We even dealt with demon possession. I can't tell you how many times when we would have a prayer service in my house and we'd be praying and God's power would fall and people would be throwing up. People would be just weeping and broken as God was ministering and setting them free from things. So I knew who the enemy was. You know, I was able to stand and pray and say, I know Satan, you will not destroy these kids. These kids have a plan and a purpose. God has a plan and purpose. And what you're planning to do in their lives will not come to pass because God says that they are powerful, that they have a purpose, that they are his apple of his eye. God says... And, you know, and being in that youth ministry, I was so excited because, you know, I had girls. And I figured my girls, when it was their time, they would be worshiping, they would be dancing, they would be singing. Because that's what mommy did. I mean, not that I can sing up here, but I was dancing and I was singing down there. And I loved it. You know, that's who I was. And I figured, yes, Lord, that's, what's gonna be, that's what I'm going to see in my children. I can't wait till they're teenagers. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> It did not happen that way. And I was like, okay, God, you allowed us to be vessels so that these young people could know God, can worship God, can be free and abandoned in you. Um, Did you lose track of my daughters? Do you see them? My daughter Megan, when she was about 13, she used to make fun of every dancer that came to dance. And anything else that had to do with being up here. It was like ridiculous. You know how you want your kids and you encourage them? You're like, you know what? You should be part of the youth worship team. Or you should be part of this. Or you should be part of the play. And they're like, nope, 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 nope. And you're like, what the heck is going on here with my kids? I'm like, Lord, do they hear you? Do they see you? What did I do? Why did I spend so much time? (laughs) Why did I? Oh, yeah, that was hard. Okay, why did I spend so much time pouring into young people and then my kids are sitting there, you know, with faces. And we know. We've had kids. We, they've gone through that phase, right? And, you know, it came to a time. My kids were pretty good in their early teens, but then it came to a part. You're still good. I love you. <laughs> but it came to a part in their lives where the decisions that they were making were breaking my heart. You know? And it was like, I, I, I couldn't understand. I was like, but Lord, you told me to leave the old church, leave youth ministry, come here, start this. Why are my children making such horrible decisions? And you know, as a mother, there were times I didn't want to get up in the morning. You know, I couldn't see. I had lost my vision. I had lost my focus. I had lost my hope. Because I couldn't see anymore. And I knew the promises God had for us, for them. But at this point in my life, I could not see. I could not, I couldn't, I couldn't go on. I felt like, I don't understand God. Did you ever feel like that? Like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. You said this, this, and that. 
you said my kids were going to be this. I mean, they would speak things over my daughter's lives, but she was going to speak in front of people, and she didn't even like people. <laughs> I was like, even the youth at that time were like, Megan? Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> she tried to blame Kelly. No. You know? And, um, but there were just times that just, just broke a mother's heart. And I know, as I look around, I know that there were times where your kids did things that you were like, but I tried my best. I did what I had to do. Why do I feel like such a failure? Why do I feel like I've, I've lost everything? But you know what? I couldn't have gotten through that time by myself. And it's kind of miraculous that today I'm speaking on Mother's Day. But last Mother's Day, Lee, she gave me a word. And God confronted me. And he told me, why are you standing around mourning? And I was like, whoa, yes, I have been mourning. Because you ever feel like you're just waiting for the next shoe to drop, the next bad thing to happen, the next thing. So you kind of put this wall, like, okay, I'm not crying anymore. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm going to put this wall up, and I'm going to make sure that the next thing that comes my way is not going to make me feel like I can't get up in the morning. It's not going to make me feel like I, all I want to do is sleep and forget about the problem. And God told me, stop mourning. Stop standing around mourning. Dream again. And that just broke me. Because I'm a person who dreams. I dream big. I dream huge. I think of, right, honey? <laughs> I dream big. He's like, um, and where are we getting that money from? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. We dream big. You know, I don't go small. But, um, you know, and that helped to release me. Veronica that day um, danced, a so- uh, danced to a song that talked about dreaming again. And I felt like God was really speaking to me. And I'm not saying that everything turned over that day, that I didn't feel this strength all of a sudden. What I am telling you, that those sisters in Christ encouraged me, lit me up, set the fire again so that I can go, okay, I can walk again. I can take the next five steps. I can start to dream again. And I'm not telling you it's perfect. Because in her Mother's Day card to me, my daughter Kelly writes, Mommy, you are the craziest mom i ever known. But I'm like, okay. But it's true. <laughs> I am crazy. Um, so I needed the body to remind me of the giftings my children had. I needed the body to, to encourage me. I needed the body to help me to see it through, to see what I, when I could not see. To hope when I could not hope. To help me focus when I could not focus. Okay? I remember a Sunday I came and it was, I had um, purpose in my heart that Saturday night. I'm going to the intercession team. The minute I get up, get up, go to church, get to church, I'm going in there. So I did. I walked in and it was Gretchen, Mama Rose, Sally, and Candace. And it wasn't just stuff that was happening to my kids. It was a lot of stuff that had been happening in my life at the moment. And just everything together kind of just brought me down. And um, as I sat there, Gretchen looked at me, and I'm like, can I stay here? She was like, yeah, 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 stay. So I just, I just sat down, and I just started to pray. And, you know, when you're overwhelmed, sometimes all you can do is cry. So I just sat there and quietly cried. Then all of a sudden, Gretchen started to pray. Candace prayed. Mama Rose prayed. Sally prayed. Prayed for things that I was literally talking to my husband the night before. Everything that was in my heart, they prayed. 
You know, the feeling of feeling like I was, I was a failed mother. The feeling like I felt like what was happening to my kids and, you know, other things that were happening at the moment. They helped me to see that God sees me. And I knew that God sees me. But at the moment, I could not keep going. You know, I couldn't do it. But it was the body who lifted me up that Sunday that I could come and I can worship. And I can come and I could pray again. And I can come and start to believe. Melissa, a warrior. A good warrior knows the value of what they're protecting and what they're fighting for. Let me take you back to my story. I will never forget the moment I looked at that pregnancy test. I sat down on the bathroom floor and I said my life was over. I stand here today grateful, thankful, having grown through an experience. You know why? Because this is what happened in that moment. When that pregnancy test went positive and I sat on the floor, I had three choices. Run, leave church, run. I was going to move. I was going to move and never say goodbye. My second choice was I'll just leave church. I can worship at home. And my third choice was to face it the head first. I'm thankful I chose to face it head first. Because a true warrior doesn't run from the fight. They run towards the fight. Right? But this is what helped me to do that. And I see the picture so clearly now. I see it so clearly. Here I am, sitting on the floor, holding this stick, crying, broken, really broken. And all of a sudden, I, I can see like the picture of the enemy says, she's out. She's out. That's it. That life is cut down. Out. But you see, there's a greater picture beyond the picture we can sometimes see. And that's a heavenly father who's saying, oh no, don't count her out. She's not down for the count. And you know why I wasn't down for the count? Oh, I can't even breathe. When the enemy counted me out, God sent people. God sent people to come and to surround. You know why? Because they didn't look at the condition of my sin. They didn't look at the, what they were, what they were, what the mess that I was in. You know what they saw? What they were fighting for. Because God said it's not about her sin, but it's about her soul. So real warriors know that it's not about the situation. It's not about the mess. It's about the salvation. You see, God had a purpose and a plan for my life because when the enemy thought that was it God said oh no you know why because there are kids that way down the line are going to worship and they're going to cry at these altars because I got something for her to do you know why because I put songs in her heart that have yet to be sung so she's not out for the count there were people who came and they supported me they said, you are not a failure. You are not a product of your sin. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And this is what they began to do. Out of that brokenness, out of the ashes, out of the mess, came people who didn't look, who didn't care about the reputation, who didn't care about what I had done. Because all they cared about was what was yet to come. You see, a real warrior is kingdom-minded. 
right? They're not self-minded. So I am thankful for the warriors in my life. You see, I call my pastors friend, brother, sister, pastor, because they were all that for me. When people were angry, look, look what your youth leader did. You know what they did? Come sit by us, honey. We're going to sit in this pew together and we're going to worship through. When you begin to repent, when you begin to trust God, you go to your work the next day. I'm crazy a little bit. So I called a conference at my job. They all knew I was Christian. And I asked for their forgiveness. Some of them laughed at me. They said, what the heck? This is your life. What what are you telling us about this? But guess what? The next week, I had so much baby stuff, home stuff, life stuff. My apartment couldn't contain it. And they, so you know what? God sent even the people of this world to provide for me. God sent people to give me jobs, to give me, I can't tell you how my life began to change. I cannot thank you enough, body of Christ. And many of you are here today. I am thankful that you didn't look at the mess, but you looked at the future. You looked at what God had in store. So mothers, when you want to throttle your kids, (laughs) remember God has a plan. Husbands, when you've had enough with your wife, please cry out to the Lord and say, God, Show me your purpose and your plan for this. Young people, when you're ready to give your life into the hands of someone else, please say, God, if there's no purpose and plan in that life, help me to move on. <laughs> you know? Please. Because it's time. And, and you know what? When somebody's down for the count, can we not kick them? Can we not laugh? Can we not gossip? Can we not hurt? Can we not manipulate? Can we not critique? Now, I'm not saying don't speak truth. I'm so thankful for people in my life who speak the truth. I'm not here to hear what I want to hear. Sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth is hard. And I'll tell you, if you have a friend that speaks truth, hold on. Hold on. Because that person is not about telling you what you're here. They're about the purposes and the plans for your life. So I'm grateful because I have been surrounded by people who are kingdom-minded. So this morning, when we see circumstances and things that seem impossible, reach out to the body. I know that the body saved my life, and I'm grateful because of it. Michelle, a real warrior. A real warrior's patient. Now, we don't like that word too much, right? And we know as parents, if we didn't have patience before we had kids, we were going to learn the hard way how to have patience, right? I remember one time in my prior church, I had my daughter who was about eight. My other daughter was, had to be five. Her cousin had to be four. And the little one was two. I had them at church with me. My husband was praying at the altar. And there had to be, it happened to be a day when an evangelist came, a prophet. So we were in church from like 9 o'clock in the morning. It was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
and church was still going. People were getting prayed for, things like that. So I'm sitting in the back of the church, and these kids, of course, the kids, they've been there all day, but I didn't want to hear it. They were going buck wild. You know, I was like, I am going to kill my nieces, and I'm going to kill my daughters. I'm going to tie them up to a chair so they can stay still. And I, I had a face. You know, moms, sometimes we come in and we have a face because our kids just, they just did it to us that day. And they had just done it. I was like, oh, I want to get out of church. And there was a prophet there. And this nice woman came up to me. She goes, do you want me to stay with the kids so you could get prayed for? And I was like, no, no. It's okay, thank you, I'll sit here. You know, and I was angry at my husband because he happened to be up there and I'm here with four kids. I was like, oh, heck no, there will be no more kids after my Kelly. <laughs> but that day, Mr. Ted Ferguson was sitting on the chair across the aisle. And he looks over to me and he goes, you're a good mother. Now, did I feel like a good mother then? No, because what was going in my head? I'm going to kill these kids. Wait till we get home. They're not going to eat. I'm going to kill my husband because I'm here with all these daggone kids. That's it. It's over. You know? But that word, that word of encouragement, that, lit, that one little thing, you're a good mother, spoke to my heart. Thank you. Spoke to my heart. And it literally brought down my walls. Because I had walls. I had walls. And... I, then afterwards, I was able, I went voluntarily, voluntarily to the front to get prayed for. And if I had not gotten prayed for that day, I would have missed out on this amazing word God had for me that day. But believe you me, in my stink, in my funk that day, there was no way I was going up there because I was so angry and agitated. But if it wasn't for this person who said a simple thing to me, to give me encouragement that helped me to... Go forward. And I always remember that about him. Always. And you know what? This morning, I get a text from a woman, and she's like, I don't know if you remember me, but I wanted to wish you a happy um, Mother's Day to you and all the ladies at church. She goes, Carmen Santiago. So I'm like, dag, I'm not good with names. So I start to think. And I'm like, oh, my God, is this, this, this person? So I text her back. I said, hi, is this the social worker who used to encourage me? When I was in school, and she writes down, yes, that's me, and she sends a smiley face. I'm like, oh, I missed you so much. But after we had our little text talk, I sat back and I went, oh, my God. God, only you can send someone who used to encourage me like three years ago. I haven't seen her in two years, not heard for her from her. I had been looking for her since when she left, and I tried calling all the numbers we had. Nothing went through. So I missed her because she was such an integral part of my life. She would come every Sunday. Hi, Mama, how are you doing? How was school? How was that test? Like she would remember everything I took, everything I was doing. She was like, don't worry, Mommy. God can help you. She would share her experiences. But then I sat today, and I was like, wow, God. You sent this woman who I haven't heard for, from over two years, to send me a text, allowed me to remember, to encourage me because I was speaking today. I was like, only you can, God. And this woman will never know that what she did for me today. But how amazing is God, the body of Christ. She lives in Florida now, but she is the body of Christ. Even from someone in Florida who had not reached out to me, sent me a text. And me and my age, old age, I was able to remember who she was. Now, in patience, I think of the Bible verse, be anxious for nothing but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. 
And that's an awesome verse. But if you have my characteristics, I worry about everything. Everything. The only thing I don't worry about is finances. For some odd reason, I don't worry about finances. I believe the money's coming. I have no problem with that. But everything else, I worry about. Oh my gosh, what are my kids doing today? Oh my gosh, how am I going to pass this test? Oh my, did I study what I needed to study? How are we going to get this done? How are we going to do this? I worry about so many things. And it's not a good characteristic, but it's something that happens. And it's not like um, we're all going to go through a phase where we're not going to be anxious or worried about something. Right? But again, we need the body to help us. The body to carry us through. The body to hold our hands. You know, my kids... I shared a little bit about them, right, the, the decisions that they were making and things like that. And um, if you guys remember, my daughter Megan danced up here, right? And in the beginning, I was looking at it, and I was like, oh, my God, how beautiful. They did such a great job. They're so coordinated. Like, I was looking at the outside, right? And then God stopped me and be like, look at her. What is she dancing to? Do you see what I saw back then when you were worrying Look where I brought her from. And the song was moving ahead, not going, moving forward, not going back. You know, and I was like, wow, what a perfect song to show what God had done in my daughter's life. And I just started to weep. And you know, that weeping that you can't stop, this boogie's coming out. And my daughter's like, why are you crying? Don't cry. And I'm like, oh, but you're so beautiful, you know. And now she's on the worship team and she's, she's playing an instrument. And you know what? There was a time back when Megan was doing all this nonsense, and, and Kelly, same boat, that <laughs> there were people that spoke against her and against them, right? And I remember there was one Wednesday, and this is when I was living through this, one Wednesday, sorry, Lee, Lee came to me, and she said, Michelle, I've been thinking about your daughter. God had her on my heart, and it's not like we talk a lot, but she's in my heart, and I'm like, I have this word, and I was like, Okay, give me the word. And she was, give me the word. She was like, God has been telling me that he sees her heart. And it's not what people are saying, that she has a heart cold towards God. Her heart God sees, and he's using her. And who doesn't want to hear that about their child, especially when they're going through stuff, and you know that they're struggling, and they're going through things. And that just just lifted my heart, and I was like, oh, Lee, please tell Megan, please share it with her, so she could see that God sees her, that he knows her, that he, she's not forgotten by him, you know, and my daughter Kelly, remember when I alluded to the fact that you tell your kids, oh, you should do this, and you should do that, and you see the talent in them, and they're like, no, no, I'm not going to do that, well, if it wasn't for Pastor E, who went to my daughter, Kelly, and said, and let me tell you, prior to that, I've been, Kelly, why don't you try for the worship team? You know, you could do it. She's like, no, I'm not going to do the worship team. No, 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 mommy, leave me alone. I'm not going to do that. And Pastor E, unbeknownst to me, because I had no clue, Pastor E, I hear from, I think, Alice, she goes, oh, you know your daughter's going to join the worship team? I was like, what? What daughter? She's already in the worship team. No, Kelly! I was like, Kelly? is joining the worship team. She was like, yeah. Pastor E talked to her. Was E talked to her. And she was like, yeah, she wants to do it. I said, she didn't fight? No, she didn't fight. She just said yes? Yeah, she just said yes. I was like, this little thing. How many times had I been telling her, come on, Kelly, do something. Do it. You can do it. You know, I believe God's calling you. No, she couldn't hear it from me. People, that's why we need the body. 
right? Because when she didn't want to listen to me, she was willing to listen to Pastor E, you know? I talked to my daughter about things. It, she doesn't want to hear it from me because, you know, she's 19. She doesn't want to hear it from her parents. But Jason will tell her the same thing I said. And she's like, whatever. And she's not mad at him. But I tell her the same thing. And she's mad at me for a month. And she won't talk to me. I'm like, oh, you know, you want to kill them. Because they're not listening to you. I'm like, I'm your mother. I gave birth to you. I have stretch marks. What is wrong with you? You know? And you want to just, you're like, but you know what? Praise God that these people were willing to hear from God, willing to brave going to her and talking to her and saying, hey, why don't you do this? Hey, I don't think this is the right idea for you. And she's willing to listen and receive it from them. Parents, there are times that our kids don't want to hear it from us. And you know that, right? You can tell them till you're blue in the face. Somebody else comes. Oh, don't you love it? They won't wash a dish in your house, but they'll go to somebody else's house. And the mother will tell you, oh, my God, your daughter's so amazing. She'll come and wash the dishes. I'm like, oh, really? She'll go wash the dishes in your house. She won't, she won't wash the dishes. She's dirty in my house. You know? But, you know, thank God that they know that they have to go in and help people. Not, you know, thank God they know that. But, you know, it's something about us. They don't believe it by, from us, right, that we believe in them, that they're beautiful, that they're, oh, you're just my mother. You know? They don't want to hear it from us. But when someone else from the body that they know loves them, that they know is going to encourage them, that they know is going to lift them up, that doesn't have to love them, that doesn't have to believe that they're beautiful, that doesn't have to believe that they're talented, comes to them and shares their heart and, say, and tells them, come, come with me, help me. That is the most amazing thing. You know, I feel sorry for parents who don't allow their kids to hear from other people, you know, because it is true. You can't raise a child by yourself. You can't. The reality is, if I had to raise these girls by myself, they would have been in the street because I would have beat them. Mm, can we delete that bird from the thing? I'm a speech pathologist, okay? Um, I would have beat them. They just, oh, you just want to hurt them, right? When the things they do, the things they say, you just want to take them by the neck and choke them. Like, I can't believe this. You know, I gave you life, I will take it away. But you know what, moms and dads, we have to bring. <laughs> okay, am I the only one that feels this way? All right. <laughs> so, back to the patient. So in all that, I have to be patient, right? Patient for people to come up and, and share with my children, to encourage my children. I had to be patient. If I wasn't patient, I wouldn't be able to see my daughter dancing up here and wanting to do a, a dance ministry, which I would never thought would happen. Or my daughter's on the worship team, pray, um, worshiping, and, and really, when I see them singing and mouthing the words, I'm just elated because I know, God, you're speaking to them. They're singing it. And it's not perfect, guys. My house is not perfect. Kelly was true that I am crazy. It's the mother he gave her, right? She can't do nothing about it. It is crazy. It's not a perfect house. Don't think because, oh, they're senior pastors, their children are on worship. Oh my God, what a lovely family. They have no problems. No. 
We've had our share of problems, and it's still a work in progress. Moms, dads, you know that you're going to worry when they get married. You're going to worry when they have kids. You're going to worry. You, you, you know, you're always concerned about things. It's not a time in their lives where you think, okay, they're 18, that's it, that's all. I don't have to do anything else. No. Like Mo said, you know, momhood, it's not, it's not pretty all the time. They have their blessings and, and their joys, but it's not a pretty thing, and it's not a for faint of heart. It's not someone for someone who just can't, can't, fat, can't, help, can't do it. Okay? So we need the body. Moms, today I encourage you, we need the bodies, the body. But you need to bring down walls. I know. I'd rather be that, the princess warrior with the sword. Right, CJ? The princess warrior with the sword... Killing things. That's me. I'd rather kill things. Oh, yeah, you remember? I chased CJ around the church with the sword in my husband's office. Nobody was here? You were here. I almost pierced Eli with the sword, the Braveheart sword. So I'd rather be this, be able to think that I could do it on my own, that I'm the super warrior, that I can, I can kill the enemy and always be strong and people look to me. But it's not a reality. There are going to be times where we're super strong, but we're super strong to help someone else out. You know, and there are going to be a time that we're weak and we can't help it, and we're going through things, and we need someone to hold our hands, carry us through, and to let us know that, okay, I'm helping you through. I'm praying. I'm believing for you. I'm hoping for you. I see the vision you have, and I'm carrying it for you. You're going to have it again, but for this time, I'm going to carry it for you. Moms. I speak to you today. Maybe some of you have felt a failure like I have, where you feel like, what did I do wrong? What happened? I don't understand. I tried all I could. And you feel like your family, your, your children are not in the place that you want them to be. Remember, my kids could not be who I was in God. They had to be who He created them to be. They play the piano, they dance, they play the guitar. I don't play any instruments. You know, they needed to be who God created them to be. But you're struggling today. You're struggling with your kids. You're struggling with your family. And you just need someone to encourage you. You just need someone to, 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 to lift your hand. You just need someone to help you believe and to see the vision that there is for your kids. I want you to come up today and I want the, the deacons to come and pray for them. I'm going to speak to the kids and the teenagers and the young adults. If I could have all the young people just looking at me and the kids that are here. You know, kids, sometimes we do things that maybe hurt our moms. Or we say things that are mean. Sometimes, young people, you know, we've heard a lot about Megan and Kelly and, you know, sometimes decisions are made that maybe... You've hurt your mom, or you've hurt someone in your family. This morning, I want to tell you that you can have forgiveness. You can say, I'm sorry, Mom. You can say, Mom, I'm standing here with you. You know, today a beautiful thing happened for me, and I think it was the best Mother's Day present ever. I was worshiping, my eyes were closed, and my son came and he put his hand on me and stood by my side and began to pray. What, how much better does it get than that, right? But he's not always perfect, right, Kay? 
Sometimes there are times when mommy just woo, becomes a different person. So kids, we mommies sometimes get angry. We mommies sometimes say things. And young people, teenagers, when we say, where are you going? It doesn't mean we want to control you. It means we're concerned about you. We want to keep you safe. When moms say to you teenagers, that friends, I don't know about them. It's not that moms know nothing. They see qualities that are going to pull you away from the purposes and the plans and the way that your mom has raised you. And everything that we say to you, it's not we want to control you, we don't want to have you to have fun. It's we love you. We care about you. We couldn't imagine living without you. So this morning, kids, as we close, teenagers, if you need to come, if you need to say to your mom, Mom, I love you. I'm standing with you. Will you bring your mom here today if you feel that way? If you just want to say, Mom, I love you. Forgive me for the things I've done. Mothers, if you have felt at any point like a failure, come. And team that's going to pray, just come. And not to exclude the men. We see you as warriors. But even men who are warriors get tired. You know, when my, my daughter was in the hospital, my husband got tired. He, was, he couldn't see anymore. And you may need encouragement today. You want prayer today. It's not a weakness to come and say, help me. I know men want to be strong and, act, and say, you know, I can do it. It's all about, I can do this. I can handle this. But sometimes you need the body. You need, you do need the body of Christ to help you and pray for you. If that's you today, please men, come up and receive prayer.